welcome to the first episode of Pricing Talk. Uh, I'm your host, Chris Herbert. With me today is Ishmael Madney. Uh, welcome. <laughs> Thank you for having me. And yeah, I'm usually far more energetic, but we just had a baby last week. So uh, yeah, just thank you, thank you. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been fun adding value to the world with more children. That's what we're doing here today. We can talk about how to make your kids more money with <laughs> with higher Critical. salaries in the salary survey as I get ready to launch it. Uh, hopefully in the next week week or so we're still waiting on the design and the creative (laughs) the creative stuff very big deal for our community uh always push it out to folks make sure people get into it and if you didn't do it this year make sure you do it next year this is absolutely critical for us yeah it was down this year from like 13 1350 to like 1200 this year so for whatever reason people weren't weren't in the mood or maybe you know more people looking for jobs didn't didn't feel like they could put their put their current comp or their wanted to put in their their past comp who knows but we're definitely well, doing well, it, I, yeah and, and i imagine it's tough in terms of as you know and i know the last few years really in 2017 onwards it was uh, somewhat of a bull market for everyone but us in pricing and those of us who are in technology and SaaS pricing. Uh, I was getting called left and right and was able to easily increase my comp over the years. And this year has been pretty quiet for most folks I know. Yeah. I mean, it, to me, it's all, it's interesting just to see the number, you know, obviously, you know, there's layoffs and stuff can't be avoided, avoided as far as looking for a job, but there's a lot of people out there <laughs> who told me no, they weren't interested for a long time when the market was great. And now we're like, hey, I'm interested in a new job. I'm like, ah, oh, this is not the time. Um, there's just so many more people looking now than there has been. You know, I think the only thing we can compare it to is kind of that early COVID mm-hmm. 2020 COVID, yeah. after after things made the change, but they got back to kind of normal. So so quickly for most for most spaces and then they kind of took took off so it is it is what it is but yeah taking it next year is is helpful and like you said it adds a ton of value as far as you know people try to compare pricing to finance or make us fit into Mm -hmm. another box as far as comp goes because they don't know what pricing's market rates are um and when you go on to like glassdoor and other places i've seen it's it's just horribly inaccurate because of you know so few so few responses in an area uh, that just doesn't doesn't work. So absolutely, again, I know for myself, this salary survey has been absolutely critical uh, for me in negotiations and deciding on offers and just having a sense of where do I fit in the market. So I always feel very confident when i have these discussions i haven't had these discussions in a while Uh, i'm very satisfied and happy where i'm at but it's been like a year it's not that it's not that long come on it's not that long but (laughs) it it, it, yeah it would be multiple times a year um at some point yeah just someone calls you and and you you just have that initial discuss discussion but to your point chris i know just the value this has been for me and if you look at glass store if you look at where we try to fit or switching industries like I did, 
uh, and didn't have a clue going from my previous world of government contracting into SAS, I just did not realize the salary structures and how they were. So just to be educated on it, the more folks we have do this, the better for all of us. I think it too helps just if you're getting a raise internally or, you know, comp discussions internally or getting a promotion internally. I mean, a lot of times they're going off of, you know, basic stuff and not going off what the market actually mm-hmm. is. So being able to use this to kind of reset yourself or say, hey, you're, you know, <laughs> you're going to lose me, not the market to probably have that conversation, but other years to kind of have, you know, have that chat. So, Anyways, let's get into kind of some of the some of our thoughts, some of the some of the analysis. So I'll start with some quick high level stuff. So this year, I think we're going to have 30, 30 cities, probably 15 industries. So up from I want to say we had 11 industries last year. I was able to do 15 this year. The cities fell, I think, from 33 down to 30 this year, just because there weren't enough, weren't enough uh, people. Even though we were kind of going, <laughs> Drew on my team and I were going door to door to door, asking people to take it, saying, "Hey, we're going to lose your your city if you uh, if you can't help us out." So, anyways, only lost three, which isn't too uh, too bad. Um, some high level stuff. So even though you know this started back early in the year, I think before the market fully, fully shifted. So take that kind of into consideration with some of these, some of these numbers. But uh, in the the people that said they changed to a new role or a new job in the last six months, their raises fell to less than fourteen percent from eighteen percent the six months you know, six months prior to taking it last year. So, you know, that's for 4% that people are losing, getting new, new roles this year compared to, to the prior year, which is, I think, pretty significant. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, raises also fell to stay at companies from five and a half to less than four and a half. So a percent that companies are not, you know, in this market, not gonna, you know, not going to give you as big of a raise to to stay um remote fully remote work was over 50 percent of the people hired i think 55 percent. so remote still still going strong you know in this market in a in a company market that may that may shift a little bit so interested to see what happens next year with with that number um the industry that paid the most to get new talent to steal people away was the legal industry. So I think they were giving raises on average of around 17%. So they they kind of led the way in uh, <laughs> in uh, paying the biggest price for for stealing stealing people away and and bringing them uh, you know kind of giving them open market uh, open market raises. So any thoughts on that stuff? Well, what's interesting to me is again switching jobs typically get you the most bang for your buck. That's just reality. And the spread, again, last year was about 13%, you know, whether you stay and get 5% or whether you go and get on average 18%. Now that spread is down to less than 10%, around nine, nine and a half percent, just reading the numbers. So to me, that's interesting. And it makes me wonder if um, part of it, again, just speaking for SAS only, um, there were fewer openings this year, from what I could tell, fewer senior level openings. A whole bunch of us, again, over the last few years took advantage of the market, got ourselves better cops. So w- we potentially could 
have already maxed out at the level we're at. And in some scenarios, in conversations I've had, going to another level from where I'm at would not be even 13%, be 10 or 9%. So it's interesting to me that it is almost, you know, you leave for maybe 10% more. I don't know. So it may slow the market down for some of us going forward. Yeah, I mean, I'd say more people are still aggressive and, and you know, they're less confident with where they are, so they're moving. But I think you bring up a better point of, you know, people getting paid. And if you stay at a role and you stay at a company for a long period of time, you're getting underpaid and mm-hmm. you're, you're essentially losing, losing money every year that you stay. So, mm-hmm. I mean, if you think about that, if on average people are changing jobs every two years, if you're staying for four years, you've missed out, you know, on a 10% raise yep. plus that you know, plus that on top of it. So you're probably, mm-hmm. you know, what, 15, 15%, 15 or whatever, off. whatever the yep. math is, mm-hmm. but you're, right. you're 15% below the market. And a lot of mm-hmm. people want, you know, have said with the salary survey, well, can you show years of experience? I can, but do you want to be insulted? Because the, the difference between how many years you worked or how long you've been at the role, you know, you know, you'd think kind of how long you've been at the role, you'd be making more, but people coming in to roles, honestly, a lot of times with less experience are getting paid just as much, if not more. Or more. Yeah, mm-hmm. or more than their incumbents. And usually the people mm-hmm. who have more experience and have come in recently are the ones making the most. It's, you yep. know, it's, it's almost like a, you know, sports, you know, you get paid, you know, you get paid the most when you hit the open market and when you're able Mm -hmm. to become a free agent like you're you're predictable with where you are but if you want to get paid you gotta you know you honestly have to take your you know your talent somewhere somewhere else Mm -hmm. um obviously this may not be the market to do it and you may want kind of to you know stay where you are and kind of be a little bit more secure especially if you're happy in your job right now but you know you have to capitalize when the markets are good and take that raise or else every year that you're staying you're losing you know you're you're left <laughs> behind and and yeah. i think yeah again and and the you know, folks can look at my linkedin i've definitely jumped around and i'm uh, i'm not afraid of that and i've been recruited different places uh, and again these were significant jumps had i stayed in the same place as that five years ago six years ago i wouldn't be anywhere close not even close to the compensation i'm at now uh, so I think that's something to keep in mind. And, and Chris, I think you bring a good point. If you're happy where you're at now in this market, it's probably a safe bet to stay there, especially as, as we've spoken about before, companies don't always know the role we do, may not have the best infrastructure, may not have you set up for success. And especially with the market pressures and macro pressures and pressures on companies right now, a it may just be a better play to to take the stability and take the security for the next 18 to 24 months and then look to capitalize when things get real hot again. Yeah. And I don't think, I mean, you're not going to lose a ton in the short term, um, but it also goes to, you know, I mean, if we're getting into like how, you know, how to make the most money, honestly, the biggest driver, if you look at the salary survey, something that I think gets overlooked for its obviousness is 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 the level right so the Mm -hmm. biggest the biggest value to you is your title is your level 
that's the number one thing on how you're compensated is your title. And, you know, if you're staying where you are and you like what you're doing, hey, that's that's great. But if your goal is to make the most and for your career, yeah, you have to get you have to get the title bumps. And those are, you know, I I kind of <laughs> I have a hard time saying it to people when I'm doing recruiting and like I try not to sell them on, you know, on new roles with it a ton, but I'll be like, look, I, I think this role is worth a hundred thousand dollars to you. Or I talked with and helped uh, place a VP the other day. Honestly, I think the title bump. I mean, I think I told him half a million, but I could have argued a million. I could have argued probably two million dollars oh, sure. that the title is worth to him. He's getting into that next level, that next mm-hmm. club, and with some of these cities, you'll see an experienced director is paid more than a first-time director because mm-hmm. they've almost yep. kind of created this like. You know, companies are willing to pay more for that experienced director just because there's not as many, you know, not as many levels for us above above director. And so there's kind of this artificial, you know, it's not necessarily, and you'll see even with some cities, senior director is paid less or just as much as the directors. And so it's more of an experienced director versus an in, inexperienced director. And I see it with mm-hmm. my clients. It's like, well, we're not really willing to pay more. It's like, okay, well then, I'm going to need to go find you a senior manager, right? I'm going right. to, you're going to need to promote this person and they may not have the same, you know, leadership and experience that way, but you're going to be able to afford them versus, you know, it's 50, a hundred grand more sometimes, you know, excuse me for, for an experienced director. Um, so titles, while it's probably obvious that is your biggest, you know, your biggest bang for your buck and how to make yourself the most money in your career is leaving for a, a new role with a higher title. And if anyone tells you otherwise, um, I'm happy to have a chat with them. <laughs> well, not only that, uh, Chris, not only just with, um, to your point, getting that club, but you going from a senior manager where you're probably making an eight to 10% bonus to a director, senior director, where your bonuses are in the 20 to 25% range. I think Somewhere VP as high as, be in the as 40. VP. Yeah, you know, right. So, yeah, and then VP hit that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and yeah. you're, you know, it, I think once you get to the director level, a lot of the bump really comes in in form of stock or equity. Yep. I mean, that's mm-hmm. and as you look at it, I mean, you look at the salary survey, that's where these people, you know, especially really in the software amazing. world, are making a million bucks because they're getting, mm-hmm. you know, seven fifty on, you know, on equity or something, something crazy like that a year. So. You know, the, your your base will keep going up a little bit, but it starts to, you know, early in your career, you go to manager or from senior analyst to manager. Most of that's coming in the form of, you know, form of a base raise versus later on in your career, it keeps going up. But the biggest bump, as terms of, as far as percentages go, comes in in the form of equity as you're paid. Absolutely, you're, pay, you're paid for more performance, right? Hey, we do better, you yep. do better, and you, they want you more more invested. And so, um, and just a good rule of thumb too for people, you know, f- as far as the equity goes, you know, in kind of understand where companies are coming from, and you know, you have to value value them, make them feel good about it, even if you want more on the base. You know, don't. Don't insult the company. Well, I'm not really as, you know, don't really want your stock as much that don't say that. Um, seen that a few times recently. 
you know, it is what it is, you know, and, and there's just, you know, ways to have these conversations when you're negotiating, right? Is it, you have to be, you have to think about it from a pricing perspective and, and think about it like dealing with, with sales, I think is, is the best way to, <laughs> you know, best way that I can, you know, use to explain. But, but believe it or not too, at times when equity seems unattractive, it's probably the most attractive it's going to be. Imagine if you joined uh, a SaaS company last year at this time when the market had really hit hard and, you know, some former companies of mine had been down 80 to 90% from the COVID peak around this time last year and have doubled from this time last year. So they looked very unattractive, the equity, because, you know, the stock is tanked. That's probably when it's most attractive because the upside is there versus going to a company that, you know, just, Again, imagine joining a place in September 2021, you were down 80% on your equity a year later. Uh, so that's something to keep in mind. And again, Chris, I think you bring up a great point that as you get more experience and where the money really comes in is on that front. You know, there's going to be a ceiling in base at some point, but with your bonuses and the equity amount, that's where you can potentially into the high six figures and, you know, below seven figures. And I know in the salary survey, there, there are a few folks out there who are in that seven figure range. Not me. I uh, would love to be there one day, but uh, yeah, there's, there's other folks out there who are at companies where, you know, more than likely what 80% of that comes from equity. Yeah. And most of the time I think it's, you know, it's one of two things, especially with people going, companies going public, um, where people are making a bunch or, you know, the VPs, you're getting a ton of stock. And if the company's doing well, I mean, mm -hmm. you know, that's the one place I think where, you know, staying does make sense. If you're, if you're equity and your stock's going, going through the roof versus jumping to a company that you may not oh, absolutely. You know, yeah. know where yeah. they're going to know where they're going to be. But anyways, so kind of on to the next, next one, we probably could talk for an hour just on that alone. Um, but as far as kind of the highest paying, we'll, we'll get into the highest paying cities and lowest paying cities. So I think we, we all can probably guess there's factors here that involve, you know, I didn't go and take out industries and stuff like that. So I really just looked at like an average of, of the cities and the responses and kind of averaged like depending on the level senior analyst to director or manager to director or did a combination of the both to see like, Hey, these, you know, who's getting paid the most, who's getting paid, you know, the least on average. So highest paying, no surprise, the Bay area. And in that same vein through tech, Seattle and Austin are kind of right there. Um, I didn't, and, and I should preface this with like the cities that only had like a few responses. I can't compare every to everything and I didn't have time to do a weighted analysis or, or other stuff. This was more just, you know, quick, quick and dirty. Um, so I don't think there's any, any surprise there to you with kind of those, those cities. No, not at all. No. Um, Seattle, San Francisco, Austin, maybe a little bit being up there, but it doesn't make sense considering folks who may have been remote moving here. Um, <clears throat> not only that, you've got big tech companies here as well. They're moving operations. You have an AMD, uh, NVIDIA has a presence, Dell has a presence here. Um, so it's not, surprising that uh, San Francisco, obviously Seattle makes complete sense uh, as well. 
Yeah, and we should preface that Ishmael is is in Austin, so he uh, he knows the <laughs> knows the area well. Um, I think kind of with the lowest cities, I'll just run through them, and then we can get into kind of I think one thing that always kind of jumps a little bit out to people. So lowest cities: Chicago, Houston, L.A. DC, Nashville, Atlanta, you know, of the cities that had a lot of responses, obviously there's going to be some other, other cities in there, but those, those kind of all stuck around the same area, um, as far as where, where they were. So I kind of grouped them all together. I think the big surprise there is LA to people, but if you think about the industries that are in LA, I think LA probably could have been the lowest, the lowest if it wasn't propped up by tech. Um, but the industries that they have in LA and the honestly, the compensation in LA has been one where it's just not, it's not what it should be. Um, and I think going back years when I adjusted for cost of living, LA and New York were among the two worst. Um, just because when you factor everything in, they just don't, they don't pay what they should pay for what, what it costs to, to live there. Um, you know, and the, the common, the common thread I think about those places too, is Chicago probably has probably one of the biggest pricing markets, but the industries there aren't, you Mm -hmm. know, aren't high paying industries. Uh, the cost of living isn't huge, uh, Houston. I mean, lower cost of living. Yep. You know, I would have almost thought oil and gas maybe would push that up, but we, I don't think we got very many oil and gas this this mm-hmm. year. I think they didn't didn't uh, didn't want to participate. And no offense if anyone's listening from those from those spaces. DC. I mean, you know the DC market better since you're from from there. Yeah, it's it's not a surprise considering government contracting, uh, the rates, and how. So much of your cost of government is based on your costs internally and how much goes into, you know, folks know the acronym BNP, bid in proposals. You want to keep that low. You want to keep your GNA costs low. So when you do bid to government, you can come in with a very competitive bid and do well on behalf of the taxpayers. So DC typically, because of the industry, primarily government contract, and say, 95% of pricing professionals there are primarily focused on government contracting or working for a contractor with a significant chunk of government business. Uh, that's number one. Number two, there are, there are lots of them because, uh, again, proposals and, and proposal season um, as they come up. So it's um, no surprise. And, and there is a ceiling, I think, over there. There are a few people I know who have broken through and make very good money, but for the most part, you're going to hit a ceiling that is much lower than the ceiling in San Francisco or the ceiling in Seattle or even Boston, I imagine. Um, I don't remember off the top of my head what Boston was. It's probably Yeah, and, and we did take DC. out, you know, senior senior directors and VEPs weren't, weren't really in this just because not in every area had it, so it was a little too hard to compare. Mm-hmm fully apples to apples of every of yep. everything like i said kind of quick and dirty but yeah i mean all that makes sense and obviously nashville atlanta i don't think there's any smaller any markets su- yeah yeah any any surprise there lower cost of living you know mm-hmm. um and not to say these are the absolute lowest given there's other other areas we didn't look at i only probably looked at like 10 15 areas that had enough for me to kind of 
do a legitimate <laughs> analysis that I can at least at least stand behind. Um, and kind of as we were talking about the markets or the industries, I think we I also looked at the industries as well. Obviously, we only had 15 of them and some had enough responses, some didn't. But, you know, going back to what we were saying, software was number one. I don't think is going to surprise anybody. Just put out a LinkedIn post. I'm sure it's probably going to be in the responses is what people think is going to be the highest. Um, the one that surprised me was consulting, which, you know, I wasn't expecting to be there. I think they pay well, usually early on in the career, given how much they ask you to work. <laughs> you know, your your per hour compensation is probably much lower. But, um, you know, into the director level, they were holding they were holding up better. And I know in talking with people and folks there, I know they have been been having to do some things where they've even had to do re-leveling to try to get people to the right level. So they had mm, to kind of essentially just be like, okay, yeah, you guys are getting stolen away far too often. And my apologies for doing that. Um, but uh, I think they did do some re-leveling. And so I think that may have may have helped a little bit and they've given some given some raises but i do think that falls off a little bit at that maybe that senior director and and definitely i think depending on the industry it falls off a little bit i did see some especially in the software space where there wasn't necessarily you know that high you know you're kind of locked in at a rate versus you can't get that high end you know that high end from them so the average may be okay but that high you're not getting the high end with mm -hmm. the, with the consulting so um i think that one's pretty straightforward you think yeah and and again i think you know that world much better than i do just um with your experience uh there but it's not a surprise and i'm wondering if at the top end the folks actually make money or more so selling services, you know, yes, they do pricing and they are pricing consultants, but they're the ones responsible for being the face and bringing people in versus doing the work itself. At the director level, I think they're starting to learn that and starting mm -hmm. to kind of take on a little bit more of that. Um, but anyways, we're, I think it's, yeah, pretty straightforward. I mean, I don't think anyone's horribly surprised. Um, the lowest paying, uh, we're kind of wholesale, automotive, logistics and transportation and retail. Um, and so that's kind of, I think I look at like senior analyst, a director, and then manager director and, and looked at the two, um, since, you know, not every industry had, had things, but those kind of, those kind of stuck out. I think retail, I was a little surprised by do you think retail. it's because I, mean, I don't have retail experience or, or much experience in industries, but just thinking about, um, because so you have such large quantities, there, there's a cost plus element to it. So it may not, and, and this is not to insult anyone, may not be as sophisticated. Uh, you're, you're dealing with algorithms, obviously, and looking at market dynamics, but it's very different from a value-based approach, right? So perhaps you're going to see that's where a place where also where AI might, might already be there and start to come into play more and more. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely where software is a lot more prevalent. Um, mm -hmm. But I think too, you know, that now that I think about it, I mean, where the retailers are located, you know, they're not, I mean, 
I know Bed Bath and Beyond, and there was a few <laughs> since since gone was in the New York, mm-hmm. New York area. But I think probably most of the people weren't weren't from those you know the, maybe the higher markets. I do sure. think that changes at the higher levels of retail, in that if you're you're in charge of running this organization and you're you were able to bring in millions and millions of dollars. You know, I think more so for me, the retail, they could add so much value that it that's kind of where where my surprise comes in. The teams are usually a little a little bigger, but I have seen some lack of willingness to pay at the lower the lower levels, mm-hmm. but I see that everywhere. <laughs> All my clients would love to pay as little as as little as possible, or not pay the pricing. We'll say the pricing premium that I usually have to sure. explain to them over, you know, what they were, what they came to me wanting to spend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, again, I think that industry just don't have enough insight there, but. To your point, PG&E being in Cincinnati and Target being in Minneapolis, um, it isn't a surprise when you do add in the location factor as well. Yeah, you've got Minneapolis, you've got Dallas, you've got Walmart is in Arkansas. Yeah, Mm -hmm. so, but you know, to be honest and defend the industry, there's a lot of people making a lot of money and living at low cost places. So I don't feel I don't feel bad. Sometimes I see them, I'm like, whoa, I, I could you probably could pay your buy your house off your just your annual comp, um, which which would be nice. nice. Um, Not in the places that you and I you and I live, although. Austin, sadly uh, yeah <laughs> anyways Austin's all right no longer cheap you know i think people were asking last year about okay well public company versus private company so i put in who owns the company this year as far as pe private company or um or public um so you know, I tried to look at that when applicable. There are a few times in the salary survey where you'll see it come into play, um, where you'll see me mention it. I want to say <laughs> I I knocked uh, PE, I want to say in the consulting world, there are maybe one or two consulting firms that are owned by private equity and paid noticeably less, but they also were in locations that, that paid less. So I don't can't necessarily say but there was there was something there and then in cpg there was one industry where it was like public company private company pe company Mm. i'm like wow that that's the first time i've seen anything i can use let alone this just being completely completely obvious to me as i'm looking through it and honestly i mean i'm not you know i'm trying to find things and i'm trying to get enough information to be able to actually put it out there I don't want to be like, well, you know, one person's making a ton and not. And so this was one where it was like they were grouped together in terms of lowest paying, middle paying, highest paying. And so for CPG, I want to say it was manager or some some level like that. Um, there was a clear, clear divide. Other than that, I really couldn't find um, find much as far as who owns the company affecting um, affecting how people are compensated. But I do think it's something that, and again, especially in software, people need to keep in mind. If you are at a public tech company and you are getting RSUs, for example, that is real if you stick it out long enough. You know, in a year, you'll get a quarter of them and then, yeah, 
quarterly from that yeah, point forward. You're getting real money. Depending there. on your vest. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. And that's real. So you take that into consideration. Maybe you're willing to take slightly lower base there because you know there is that real equity RSU upside a year from now and every quarter thereafter. Whereas if you're an adventure back company, um, obviously the expectation is you'd get a bigger payoff. You'd have more options and you know much more that you can imagine. So you join venture back and maybe you're not getting as much of a base comp as you would expect. And then PE um, is interesting enough because those are typically vesting in over three years or five years. You're not getting that one year vest. So it's something to keep in mind that you may not uh, feel the upside uh, of your performance based on what type of company you're at and to think about how you negotiate and how you want your base compensation to be structured um, versus you know, again, public versus a private equity-owned company. Big difference in when that equity upside comes in. Well, I think you bring, bring up a good point, too, of, you know, how confident in the role you're taking, you know? Mm-hmm. That needs to factor into what industry or, or who owns it, right? If you're super confident and this is a long-term fit, then go for it, right? But if you're not going to get the comp unless you stay for three years, you need to be like absolutely sold that you're not going to get run out the door in Mm -hmm. a year i mean honestly you know in some of these especially in the in the software world i mean the success rate of a first time pricing hire i mean what would you guess 75 percent? you think that's too much right yeah yeah i think that's high yeah i mean the first time pricing strategy person you know we've talked about it before it is a very challenging difficult job unless you have high senior level backing and usually you have to educate no by the way those senior level leaders often leave um you know the people hired you may not be there in a year so it is it, it, it is to your point if you're going to a place where your price strategy hire number one uh and maybe it's public maybe it's private that goes into it and how confident are you that hey i will be here three years from now uh to see the equity upside of this uh, versus, well, let me just go to a public company and get that equity upside in the year. I think those are definite factors to keep in mind. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it should be factored into your consideration too, and <clears throat> and what your goal is with that role, right? I mean, if you're trying to get from senior manager to church director, and you're trying to get that comp, then you know, you know, you're trying to get that bump and that title, you should probably be more willing to take, you know, take on a risk, take on a situation. <laughs> Because once you're at that level, you're marked for that. You're good. Yeah. And so getting that is is a reason. But if you're trying to, you know, play it safe or get the most comp, I mean, private companies is the guarantee, right? Um, And so you need to make sure you're kind of factoring that into into your decision. And that also goes into another thing that we've talked about for for years is like, how do you figure out? the the success rate of that job right like how in the interview process do you vet is this a role i have a chance of being successful and i know i know we've talked about it a lot maybe we can get into some of those things of like what we look at or or or, yeah because i know we've talked about a lot so what do you what do you look at as far as like red flags or things that make you feel confident that they're going to give pricing a fair shake or open to make the changes they need to 
Yeah, I, I think it's a great question and something we struggle with. And, and I've often called hiring managers as well, who I know when they're posting a first time role. And I'll be very specific because in my experience, tending to be pricing strategy hire number one at multiple places, I've been through it. Uh, but first of all, what what is your scope? Uh, it's like, what level are you at? Are you just a senior manager who's coming in as a pricing strategist? Um, okay. Uh, or are you at a director, ideally a VP level, where they're going to give you the ability to actually build a function? And let's be real, building a function means having people. You can't have just one pricing person. This is a pricing function doing many different things. So you do need resources. So I think number one, leveling. Number two, is the company committed to giving actual resources? And number three, where do you sit? Um, are you reporting into a senior director, for example? It's probably not the right place. And your success, eh, there's probably limited upside. Or are you reporting into a C-level? And more importantly, a C-level who, you know, in my opinion, I'd rather have a C-level with influence and someone who, again, won't be kicked out in three months or six months. I've, Chris, you know this, I've been in places where I've had four managers in nine months. Right, that's not a good situation. I mean, at the end of the day, how many roles between you and I have we gone into, and the boss has actually stayed, like stayed longer than a year, or heck, stayed longer than six months? Man, that's a very good question. I'd say the last two roles I've been at, I have not had, and maybe it's just me. Who knows? Maybe, maybe I'm the I'm the the problem here, but. The last two roles, I've not had managers there longer than six months. I think the longest has been six months. I know a few roles ago, um, had a great manager been there a year. And, and I've, you know, among those groups who leave early, um, there were some great managers and others who weren't great. So it, it is very difficult for a first-time pricing strategy hire to then build momentum and start to get some wins. Again, how we operate, it compounds, right? You're not going to see very much in the beginning. Then suddenly it starts the hockey stick. And if you're starting over, uh, you know, two to three times a year with the new manager makes it very difficult uh, to see that hockey stick and to see the the big wins start to happen. And I mean, you never know if they're going to believe in pricing, right? I think, you know, like right. you said, it's, it's what's the, you know, what's the commitment? Who's leading this charge to bring in the pricing person. I think if you're looking yep. for a job and you want to be stable in pricing, go to it where there's <laughs> you're reporting into a pricing person, right? Especially yeah, oh, especially absolutely. early in your career, you know, try to go to people that know the pricing world, know people, mm -hmm. you know, impress somebody. But later in your career it becomes more challenged because you're having to lead its function and you're having to report into somebody who either thinks they know pricing or admits they know nothing about pricing. What's more dangerous? I'd probably say the people that think they know pricing. That's always a little bit of a challenge, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think you, you kind of walk through most of, you know, most of the things too, you know, how much, I also look at how much are they willing to pay? Have they had you know, asking about have they, you know, it, what happened with the prior person? What didn't work out? You know, I think trying to talk to as many people within the organization. So, I mean, any organization you go into, there's going to be a person who maybe doesn't believe in pricing or is just a jerk or whatever it is. But 
you know, if you know that going in, you know who you have to work on more, you know who you have to put in more time with, right? Versus if you talk to one or two people and you sign up and you're going in, you're going in blind. Like you don't even know Absolutely. the challenge, challenge in, fa- in front of you. And, and also sometimes it's the people that w- don't talk to you during an interview process. You need to mark them down as like, all right, well, I need to go get a drink with this guy or, or um, mm-hmm. invite her to coffee or whatever it may be to figure out like, you know, if they shoot you down, mm-hmm. then... Uh, hey, this is going to be your challenge. You bring up such a good point with, I know when we interview, it's a pain in the ass, right? You don't want to have to interview with eight people or nine people. But in our role in particular, since we touch everything, and to your point, Chris, there may be someone you didn't speak to who has much more influence than you thought and has no skin in the game for you whatsoever because they weren't part of your interview panel or is a jerk and you need to work on whatever it is, I highly encourage, and especially in tech, uh, folks who are going into a role as the first price and strategy hire to speak to every single C-level possible, in particular, the CFO, the chief product officer, uh, chief salesperson, whether it's commercial, revenue officer, whatever that title is. engineering, even customer success, just across the board so that you have touched all of them. And if you do take the job, they had, they had some skin in the game and still say yes to you coming on board. Um, and if you aren't allowed to speak to all of those folks, then that could be a red flag right there. But I, I absolutely encourage, and again, I know it's a pain and you want to lock the job down, but to your point, Chris, you need to know what you are walking into uh, and you need to be ready to go on day one as much as possible uh, just to get some quick wins and have the relationships early on because of so, the cross-function nature of our yeah. And I think too, I mean, just kind of came to me if I were, if I were doing it, talking to the pricing, the person who's been doing the pricing, right? Like if they're like, oh, so-and-so's does the pricing and finance does it for like... 10% of his job or 50% of his job or he's Absolutely. doing it right now. Trying to have a conversation with that person and figure out where the bodies are buried already or, <clears throat> excuse me, um, or how hard is it to drive pricing change? At least you know what you're walking into and you have more information, you know, and also getting getting in good with that person, you know, early on so that you can, you can figure that stuff out because sometimes these hurdles you know, that the second or third person, second or third pricing person if who finally makes it successful is because they now have more information or they're now being told more, um, you know, or they've just had to run through the gauntlet and now they've worn down the, down the other people or worn mm-hmm. down sales for you, whatever it may be. So, yeah, I mean, it sounds like getting as many interviews, talking to as many folks, you know, I know in a market like this, it's tougher to push for that because if you're out of work or a job's ending or you really need to get out, you know, the, you know, you're kind of more focused on, you're just, I I need that role. I need to jump into it, but, you know, try to ask for as many conversations and, and things. And, you know, if that, if that loses you the job, was it going to be something that would have lasted longer than six months anyways? Right. I mean, do you kind of have to, kind of play the, take the good with the bad with, with some of this stuff. 
Yeah, and, and again, I think the worst thing is for you to walk into a place where the key people are like, who the hell is this that just showed up here and is suddenly doing pricing? Whether it is a chief product officer, a chief financial officer, chief revenue officer, whomever, right? You don't want to end up showing up to a place and they don't know who you are or they don't know you're starting. So that's why it's very important <laughs> to your point, because bet the manager is that, that how, many, how many times have you walked level? in and people didn't know you were a, they'd hired a pricing person? <laughs> All right. Let me see. Oh, it, it happened early on um, when my first pricing leadership was. And I quickly realized, all right, let's not let that happen again. Um, so I've made sure not to have it happen again since then. But um, yeah, it's, it's something that's that's happened, right? You show up and they're like, wait, yeah, what are you doing here? Our uh, pricing's I, fine. No, we don't want you involved in that. Yeah, no, like, what do we, uh, we don't really have much for you to do. And they complain to your boss and suddenly, yeah, it turns into a negative situation. So from my perspective, you want to be ahead of that. Because, yeah, Chris, you, you're, you're recruiting and you're on this. They're talking about how important it is, how much we need in this role, et cetera. So, well, one person who's doing it right now and it's a pain in the ass needs a role or there's one leader or, you know, there's a PE person that um, really wants this role, but maybe the rest of the leadership doesn't care and doesn't want it. Uh, so again, trying to just have everyone have a little skin in the game for you uh, is important. So if you have gone through the gauntlet and have spoken to the senior level C-suite leaders and you come on board, they were at least part of your process and they were people who at least said yes you coming on board, which makes them a little more vested in you succeeding versus someone wondering, wait, who, who's that pricing person we just hired last week? Or you, you run into, oh, well, I do pricing now. It's like, uh, right. not anymore. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. Uh, uh, so yeah, I, I think it's very important to be willing to have those conversations. So that's kind of at the higher level. I think, you know, maybe get into some career career advice or some salary advice for for people in the the younger or earlier aspect of their their career. You know, my thoughts, you know, you know, look at what your objectives are, you know, at least for the more junior people, you know, what your objectives are, what you're trying to do, you know, if you're trying to maximize your compensation, you know, I think switching industries, you know, don't be afraid to take a lateral or take a step back to get into a different field that may have, you know, may take you, you know, four or five years to double what you're, you know, what you would be making in another role. Um, you know, I think also too, as far as, you know, a strategy, you know, like I said, finding finding good pricing people to work for that know what they're doing. Hundred percent. That Absolutely. are that are going places too, because you can get taken with you. I mean, the people that I've seen exactly. do the best in their mm -hmm. career, it's not what they know, you know, and it's not how good they are. It's who they know, who they impressed, especially early in their their career. Um, and then their career took off like a rocket ship because, you know, hey, they took them, they took them with them, and you know the the sky is sky is the limit for them. Yeah, ab absolutely. That to me is key. I was very blessed early in my both government contract career and in my SAS career to have really outstanding managers. Uh, you know, one outstanding manager at SAS that I 
still rely on, still consider a friend that multiple and government contracts and career where I learned skills I could apply. And to your point, Chris, you get with the, the right person, you will get taken somewhere else. I know that, um, yeah, I've seen people. Oh, I know you're. I know you're talking about somebody who were just talking about taking the same person with them. Right. I mean, it does. You know, at some point, you yeah. need to go out and do your own thing, and you know that becomes the challenge. But I think anybody, you know, finding a mentor these days is Absolutely. is tough to tough to do. I don't know that I've ever had that in my career. Like you said, I mean, especially early in my career, every time I took a job, my boss left and then you're left with, you know, you're left yeah. with someone else bringing in their own team. And it's like, mm-hmm. all right, this is awkward. Um, yep. I guess I need to find, find something else because, you know, I'm not his, his or her, you know, guy or girl or whatever the, yep. you know, whatever the situation is. So, I've, uh, <laughs> I had that happen a lot, which hey, maybe that's why I ended up backing into recruiting, which I still Absolutely. joke with people. I have no, no idea how it happened, but, um, it happened. Worked well. Um, hundred yeah, percent agree. Anything else as far as, you know, career or salary for, for young people? I to mean, me, yeah, for, for, for young people, salary, again, pay attention look at the survey every year, just keep a, a pulse on the market, talk to people. I'll tell you this much. I get very frustrated when I see certain roles go that um, I may have been at or folks didn't reach out to ask. The more we are transparent and share information, the better. So go into these discussions very educated. And we have an amazing community, thanks to the efforts Chris has put in the last few years. And again, as, as Chris mentioned, finding the right leader to attach yourself to if possible getting in the right company the pricing leader who knows what they're doing is willing to teach uh and impressing that will go a long way the last thing i'll add to that as well just being generally curious about pricing how we do our jobs learning different the amount that i learn every year and how my thoughts on different strategies change um because I, I talk to folks and I'm genuinely curious. So um, stay curious and just keep your eye on what's happening, understand the trends and uh, be willing to, to do that little bit of work on your own. Something you said jogged my memory of a conversation we've had is pricing people don't talk to, well enough, to one another well enough right now, especially about jobs. Like if someone just left a job, why are we not reaching out being like, hey, I'm interviewing for a job that you just had can you give me some insight or help Mm -hmm. me be more successful or let me know something right like i don't know why there isn't more of those conversations being had in the community um i'm always happy to facilitate those you know those conversations i'm always happy to people when people reach out and be like hey i'm you know got a job offer like what do you think like i'm happy to look at that and like like hey the salary survey says you know says you're right on or you know, yeah, you may want to go higher. I think a lot of people take take less and make the mistake of, especially when you're younger, taking the first offer. Um, yep. And something I tell my candidates to say, like, you know, unless it's a number that we've kind of already, you've already had conversations with them about and you've kind of already made it clear what you want. You know, my my school of thought is you're being asked to price their product or service 
why should they, they shouldn't be hiring you unless you're good at pricing yourself. And so exactly. if you're not countering back with like, I don't care if you ask for a dollar more or like $50 more or a thousand dollars more, but if you don't ask for a dollar more, like, are you really the right person for the job? Like, as long as you do it in a respectful way and you don't make some outlandish request above where they are, um, you know, usually they'll negotiate with you or they'll, you know, at worst case, they come back and, hey, look, Chris, we're already at the top of the range. There's nothing I can do. You know, that sometimes will happen. And the, the hard part is to take emotion out of it. I mean, I made that mistake in my <laughs> early in my career where, you know, I was told, oh, you know, it's going to be, uh, yeah, we're in the XYZ range. And then they didn't get there. I'm like, no, no, your recruiter told me and like, oh, well, you know, she must have misspoken. And I'm like, oh, uh, this is just a bad feeling. And, mm -hmm. you know, my emotional reaction was, you know, F you, <laughs> like not taking the job. Either you, you give me what you told or I don't want it. And it was probably only a few thousand dollars, to be honest. And I think, you know, I think that's that's one mistake I think people make early in their career is passing on a promotion or passing on a great opportunity over a small amount of money because yep. you have to look at this from a long-term perspective that title if you're passing on it for three grand and you're getting a, a title promotion like you're you gonna that. make back you know in no time 10x that you know 20 you know 100x that i would say like that title has value to you and so don't be as concerned you know, look at the salary survey, look at how much the comp goes up with every title and every level. The amount you're going to be making down the line is triple, quadruple what you're making early in your career. Don't make the mistake of cutting yourself off or hurting, hurting future earnings by worrying about a small amount of money. You know, take the experience, take the titles as you can get them, especially analyst, senior analyst, manager, like take them, take the, take the great opportunities. Don't, you know, it's hard to it's easy for me to say it's hard, you know, hard in practice as we have bills to pay and stuff like that. But, you know, take the long approach, like, you know, think about this as a game of checkers or chess, you know, what is two steps ahead for you? And don't just, don't just take a role without thinking. And I try to get all my candidates to think about, okay, yeah, role's great, but what does this mean for you? What does this lead you to in your next role? And trying to get them in like, all right, this is great, but here's where I see this taking you, you know, for your next role. Is that what you're looking for? Making sure we're on the same page. 100%. Yeah. Can't, uh, can't add any more to it. Absolutely uh, agree with that. Since this is our first or my first one, you know, hey, follow whatever platform I'm going to post this to, you know, help out that way, you know, let people know we're going to talk more with Ishmael, talk more with, you know, different pricing experts, get into, you know, I think get into other stuff around how to be successful in a pricing role, how to come into a, yep. how to come into a pricing job, how to, you know, how to drive change within the organization, you know, what to do in the first 90 days, you know, how can we help pricing people be more successful in their roles, make more money, um, you know, share, 
Yeah, share thought leadership, share different ideas. You know, where where's the pricing industry going? I mean, you mentioned kind of the excuse me AI on the on the retail world, but you know, where where are we going from in the software space? Where mm-hmm. are we going in the legal space? You know, let's let's talk about these things. Let's try to share ideas from different you know different areas, and you know, hopefully that you know gives people uh, gives people different uh, different values. So. I appreciate the time. I know you probably have to get Thank back you. to a feeding or some something with any any one of your kids, but uh, I appreciate the time. Anytime. Thank you, Chris. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.